The material shared within this podcast is based on the personal experiences and learnings of the presenter. Coloplast has paid the presenter for sharing this information. Nothing within this podcast is intended to be used as medical advice and or used to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome to the Coloplast Professional Bowel and Bladder Matters Podcast, where we explore various important topics related to ostomies and continence. I am your host, Nina Willen. I am a certified wound ostomy continence nurse and clinical consultant with Coloplast. Today's podcast guest is Janet Stoy Davis. Janet has 34 years experience in wound ostomy continence nursing and has been certified as a WOC nurse since 1985. In 1996, she began a private wound ostomy continence practice, first as a partnership and presently as sole proprietor, practicing across the continuum with a focus on ostomy care and a passion for patients attaining their desirable quality of life. Janet runs three outpatient ostomy clinics serving different populations. She lectures nationally and internationally, has co-authored both a home study course and an educational video, as well as published on the quality of life of people living with an ostomy. Janet also participates in ostomy and incontinence-associated dermatitis research. I am here with Janet Stoy Davis for ostomy assessment part two, where we are going to talk about when management isn't working, how do you troubleshoot for an ostomy patient? And this is a follow-up to our ostomy assessment part one podcast, where we talked about an initial assessment in an ostomy patient's home. So Janet, thank you so much for being here with me today. Oh, my pleasure. We will get into our questions. So number one, wondering about your routine for follow-up with your ostomy patients, an overview of that. That's a really hard question to answer. (laughs) Um, Many times patients are being seen in home care with other issues. They might have an open wound, they might have an IV or something, so you're going in at a different frequency maybe. If someone is in just for ostomy management to help them with the teaching and caring for their ostomy, you know, some insurance will, will look at about maybe three visits. But again, that kind of depends on how that patient is coping and how many, what are they struggling with? Are they struggling with pouching? Are they struggling with ADLs? Are they struggling emotionally? So again, it, it just really varies depending on the situation and of course what you can get reimbursed with and authorization for with the insurance. Absolutely. So if you um, are called back in, how are you troubleshooting prior to even going back out to their home? Um, Talking to them on the phone is sometimes challenging. Sometimes patients don't understand the verbiage you're using, and you really have to really simplify it to try and get to the root of the problem. I guess my first question is, to them is what are you struggling with or what is what is happening and usually if they're if they're in distress of some sort it's usually a pouch seal that is failing so they're dealing with some kind of leakage issues Um, so asking them if I can't go right there and I'm looking at it on the phone is okay tell me what are you doing what are you using when did you change it last ask them to kind of go through the process of you know how how are you cleaning it for instance you know maybe maybe they're using alcohol I've had all kinds of things that they use on that thing or you know baby wipes or uh, you know soaps and things like that Um, I had one lady just recently told me she washes it with betadine first. 
So, again, it's looking at what is the basic care that they're giving, and that might solve the problem right there. Do they have supplies? Maybe they're distressed because they don't have the correct supplies. So kind of trying to ask them just basic management things, um, even just trying to figure out what type of pouch they have if I haven't been in the home or if they have a plethora of things in the home, which happens sometimes people are very, you know, a neighbor gives it to them, a nurse gives them one, they get samples from somebody and they have all of these things. It's like, is it flat or does it have a bump on the back? They don't understand <laughs> convexity. Right. So, so trying to figure those things out and maybe being able to troubleshoot with them and give them some direction over the phone of how to properly use something um, might be helpful. Mm-hmm. And then you probably get a pretty good idea from that whether you need to make a visit or not. Yes. And would you say most of the time a visit is necessary yeah it, I guess the the difference would be how soon do I have to make a visit yeah you know if they're really in distress they can't keep anything on of course you're going to make that PR and visit today or tomorrow mm-hmm. you know whatever um, sometimes you can help them get that pouch back on give them a couple directions and maybe see what it looks like in two days or maybe plan a visit for two or three days so you can kind of evaluate how that worked so yeah it kind of depends on on the situation absolutely. So what are, what are the, um, I would say, what is the most common issue that you're called back for rather than some of the issues? We'll just name one for now. Leakage. Leakage okay. would be the, the biggest thing, I think. Not surprising, unfortunately. Yeah. And especially yeah. on a new a patient that's just come home from the hospital, a new patient to home health, they're not looking at what can I eat or they're not looking at the distress of... Oh, come in here. I don't know how to bathe. I don't know how to, mm-hmm. you know, can I eat this? Can I eat that? Those lifestyle things come later. Usually their distress comes because they're leaking or they have a, some sort of, which usually accompanies a peristomal skin complication, mm-hmm. some kind of irritation, or they have a, a fungal infection or irritant dermatitis. Those are the two most common things. Okay. And do you think a lot of that leakage, especially in that initial post-op period, comes from maybe a a stoma that's decreasing in size, but they're still cutting the opening to the larger size, or their belly is changing from post-op, you know, or the swelling. Yeah, um, good question. In the and yes, I, operative period. Yeah, I, I think there's so many changes in the post-op period. And I think it also comes from because they don't really remember what they were taught in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had a patient come even into my clinic and said, no one ever taught me this. I saw her three times in the hospital and she never remembered yeah. the instruction, you know. <laughs> yeah. No one told me yep. to take the paper off the back. Like, well, I, I think we did, but. Right, but they're <laughs> dealing with so many other right. things and they're, exactly. yeah. The, yeah, capacity for learning isn't so great at that yep. point in exactly. the hospitalization. So just the, the the stress of surgery and meds and everything else, their their memory right there is is gone for them. Mm-hmm. Some of the particulars, so they might remember some of the basics. Yeah. So I think the leakage comes from a combination of what you said: the changing contrast, decreased swelling in the belly, the stoma might decrease in size, mm-hmm. um, which actually causes the irritant dermatitis more than the leakage mm-hmm. or they start moving around and all of a sudden now they're not laying in bed right. so now their activity increases so now we're dealing with where's the creases or they're trying to you know move and do things in the house mm-hmm. that they weren't doing in the hospital so now we're dealing with more changing abdominal contours with body movement Absolutely. And more real life, yes. too. Exactly. Yes. So what are your typical interventions for leakage? 
if there are typical. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for rephrasing yeah. that. <laughs> um, and as you kind of alluded to, it, it varies. Mm -hmm. um, I think that looking at, of course, sizing the stoma, make sure that they're in the correct size, see what they're using on the skin, that someone might have given them lots of different things to try on there. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times we go to a convex pouch mm -hmm. because, again, we're, especially if it's a flush stomo or, you know, a soft belly, those that convexity just kind of helps seal that a little better and lets everything, if you will, dump into the pouch easier. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes those convexities, though, are overused. Sometimes they don't need convexity. If you put a stiff pouch on there and, and it's in a bend or in a fold, sometimes that's counterintuitive. You want that flatter pouch. Maybe they're in a convex pouch and now that they're moving, they have a deeper fold. Maybe you need a more flexible pouch. Mm -hmm. Maybe they have more of an, what we call an outward uh, contour, where you kind of have that if you will, the beer belly kind of yeah, look. Yeah. And so a convex pouch would be very counterintuitive because you're pressing in and the belly's pressing out. So there's a new one on the market called the Flip um, by Coldplast that actually might be a good choice for someone like mm -hmm. that. So it's going to actually follow that contour a little better. Remember, we're trying to marry the pouch and the skin so they yeah. they bind and move as one and we don't have to meet the contours to, to try and match that so we have the least amount of movement near the stoma so that we can keep that seal and that security for quality of life absolutely and skin health which go hand in hand yes both of them yes all right so when you have um, needed to do another home visit uh, with a patient how do you determine and obtain necessary supplies well, for me, being a WC nurse, I have a bag of tricks, and so I always carry lots with me. But for the home care nurse that doesn't, I think that, you know, really looking at the home care agency of what do they carry in or have in stock in their office. You know, years ago, home care had a lot of stock in their home office, and now they do a lot of drop shipment. So they don't have access to that. A lot of the companies will have um, little starter kit or little sample kits. They might have a couple of pouches in that little bag that you can bring out to the patient. I think that's a good thing to have in the office. And you can have different, you know, flat pouches, convex pouches, yeah. that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that you have something to bring out. They most of the manufacturers are very generous about sending samples out when you're trying to determine what's a good pouch for a patient. Mm -hmm. So they'll send you samples um, right to the patient's home so you'll have them in the home. But definitely making sure they have something in the home is important. And then um, trying not to, to, or to defer placing an order under their insurance, I think is important. Sometimes I'll go in and someone's ordered this big supply, whether it's a month or even three mm -hmm. months supply, and they have all this product there, they can't order again for 30 or 90 days, and they have a product there that they can't use. Yeah. So try and use samples or things that they come home from the hospital or something to determine what's the best pouch for them before placing the order mm -hmm. so that they'll have the correct amount of supplies for the next 30 days or 90 yeah, days. Yeah, or order in a smaller amount yes, as well. Exactly. as a Yeah, and, and at home care, you know, I come in the Southwest, we have a lot of HMOs, so I could actually order for a patient in home care a full order. 
people that are Medicare primary, which we have some, but I know the East Coast has a lot more of those patients, well, the home care agency has to provide that for them. We can't order from a DME. So if they're going to order, again, just order one box, a smaller amount, right. or maybe they have some in the office if their administration will allow them and they can bring it out in like maybe four pouches at a time. So they're not char they're not bringing out a lot of product mm -hmm. that isn't going to be utilized. Yes. So looking at small quantities, that's a good point. Mm -hmm. So now you're back in the patient's home. Um, walk us through your reassessment routine. Um, reassessment is very similar to what we talked about in part one when on that initial assessment, really looking at the patient before you take the pouch off, if you can. Um, you know, if they're sitting up, how's that pouch wearing? When you look under the clothes, is it buckling right next to the stoma so you don't have a seal? Do they have a skin fold that maybe you don't see when they're laying down flat? So looking at body contours before you take that pouch off and how it's wearing is real important. And then when you take that pouch off, again, looking at the back of the pouch, the pouch is telling me a story when I take that off. And again, all while I'm doing this, I'm talking to the patient as well, teaching them, look at the back of the pouch, see how it looks. This is not how you want it, or this is how you want it, so that we can see if it's undermining at maybe 3 or 9 o'clock in that crease, what do we need to do to prevent that from happening? So that way, when you're not in the home and the patient looks at that and goes, oh, I need a little bit more at 3 o'clock. Mm -hmm. It worked well on this side, but didn't work on that side, so that you're kind of teaching them. So looking at, at that is important, and then looking at the skin, of course. You know, is there stool on the skin? Is the skin red? You know, people think that red skin is normal. Well, when you take off any adhesive, if I take a Band-Aid off, I'm going to have an area of redness that's called reactive hyperemia. It's just from pulling that Band-Aid off. It should go away. Skin around a stoma should be normal looking. And I always tell patients it should look like this. And I point to the other side of their belly. I used to tell people it should look like normal skin. Well, we know from research that patients don't always know what normal skin is. Mm -hmm. they, it doesn't correlate that that should be completely normal. They think a little redness or a little irritation is, is okay or normal, and I'm not going to get rid of that because I have a pouch on there and stools coming out. But it's just like on a baby's bottom. Would you think that normal, uh, you change a baby's diaper and it's a little red, is that normal because there was stool there? No, you would put some kind of a, a protection on there. You want to you heal that up and that skin should be pristine. Yes. And that's how we want it around an ostomy. So um, reassessing that and, and changing accordingly, you know, and, and going through the, the motions again of asking them, what are you cleaning with? How are you doing this? Maybe have them show you if, if, if it's a subsequent visit and they're starting to do it, you know, show me how you put this ring on or show me how you do this or that. So sometimes it's simple little things that you can see that they're just not aiming it on right. They, they are aiming it half on the stone and half off. The size is good, the pouch is mm -hmm. good, everything's good, but they can't aim it on right. So maybe we have to look at the technique of how do they put that on and how do they aim it on more successfully. Mm -hmm. So different things like that. I think yeah. that's kind of what I go through. And that's each time I do a pouch change. So whether it's the first time or the second time, it's just how, how much are you incorporating that patient and teaching that patient as they get more familiar with things, you're adding things for them to know and look for mm -hmm. and uh, respond to. Yes, such great um, answers. I love that. So you, you mentioned leakage earlier. So let's say you're in a patient's home because they're having leakage issues and they're anxious about that. They're anxious even just still adjusting to having this ostomy. 
you are, you finished up with what you're doing with them. What is your advice to them before you leave the home on how to handle things over the next few days after you leave, since they can't have you living with them all the time? Oh, they, they ask you, can I'm I sure. keep you home with me? Can I keep you here yes. with me? Are you on 24 seven? Yeah. I tell people they can call, but I don't answer in the middle of the night. Yes. They can leave a message. Um, yeah, that's kind of a hard thing, especially if emotionally they're really just having a hard time because the security's not there. Their quality of life is actually in the pits at that time, yeah. and their self-confidence is down. It's like they're thinking, how am I ever going to live with this? Um, and I think giving them the reassurance that there is a light at the end of the tunnel is real important. Um, we know from research that patients quality of life and acceptance and coping improve with time. And I think it's really because as they gain more control, it was a really good study about the um, how uncertainty and lack of control decreases the adaptation process. So once they feel more confident and they know they have a secure system, mm -hmm. their adaptation just comes naturally after that. So, but back to your question about, you know, at this time, I tell them, usually if there's a skin issue, I ask them to change it again in two days. Okay. Because I know that I'm, my seal is a little compromised. I can't bond as well to irritated skin as I can to good, healthy skin. So I know that bond isn't going to last as long. Plus, I want them to take it off and reassess the back of that. Are they getting a seal? Um, you know, at this point... You, you can tell them, well, if you hear, feel any burning or itching and that to change it. But really, at this point, when it's that fresh post-op period, they're feeling a lot of things. Yeah, and right. they can't really True. discern, is that my incision or is that the skin or, or what? Mm -hmm. So having them change that in two days. And then if it's a good seal, they're getting a little more confident about that yeah. when they change it. And then if it's not markedly improved or gone by that change, um, I might tell them to call me because maybe I need to go back if it's getting worse. Mm -hmm. You know, if it's getting better, I tell them to go to that next pouch change again in two days maybe until it's clear, and then I can push that to the third day. And then, of course, depending on what it is, are they using antifungal powder or are they using a ring or whatever? Sometimes even with rings, if they have a, they put that ring on, and if there's a big crease there, I kind of tell them you might want to pinch that more on, let's say it's a 3 and 9 mm -hmm. o'clock, I'll put the ring on, I'll pinch the ring a little more so I get a little more caulking where that crease is. Mm -hmm. So I might put that on like as a, a ring without changing it and tell them, pinch it a little bit next time if you notice that it's leaking out more. So depending on what I'm doing and what I've taught them, is there something, another option for them to go to if this isn't working? So I might want to communicate that with them. Mm -hmm. And then I follow up and, and we talk about it the next time. Okay. Is there ever a time when you do a PRN visit, and not necessarily because they're having an urgent problem, but just to check on them? Um, I think it depends on their emotional state. Mm -hmm. Some patients need that just because they are so overwhelmed, you know, and I'm sure in home care, any home care nurse will tell you, they go in and the patient said, I've changed it five times today. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, I, I've had to change it in the middle of the night. Every night I wake up with stuff all over the bed and they're just, they're just distressed. So, yeah, if they're having those kind of moments, um, I think a PRN visit, you know, maybe I'm scheduled twice a week to help them change it, but we need to go back in and, change, and give them even the reassurance and help reassess that with them. So, yeah, I think it, it really depends on how well they're doing and how secure their seal is. Mm -hmm. 
that's usually what causes the PRN visit is is um, an insecure seal, an unpredictable yeah. seal. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much for visiting with me today. It's great information. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Bowel and Bladder Matters podcast, part of Coloplast Professional, where we believe clinician education related to ostomies and continence matters. For more educational resources from Coloplast, visit us at coloplast.us professional.